That's a good crowd, amen. Praise the Lord for our children, amen. Thank God for that, hallelujah. There was a gentleman named William Borden. William Borden was from a wealthy Christian family, and up in Chicago, uh, he was the heir to the great Borden milk fortune. Everybody heard of Borden milk, Borden dairy products? Are we good? All right. Well, at the first year, his first year at Yale University, William Borden committed himself to reaching the Muslims of North India for Jesus. Three years later, he sailed for Egypt to study Arabic before he went to India. He knew that all of his money could do very little to protect him from the enemies of Christianity. And so William Borden gave away every penny he inherited. Over one million dollars he gave away to various missions. And then after he got in Cairo, four months later, he contracted spinal meningitis and he died within a week. Now they found a little note under William's pillow and on that note, William had scratched before he died these words. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets. Can that be said of your Christian life? That you hold nothing in reserve, but you give your all for the Lord. That you will not retreat at the first sign of evil or the first sign of challenge, but in the power of God you will face your challenge. And when all is said and done, and your days on earth are through, will you be able to say, I have lived my life for Jesus with no regrets. So after many years of war, after slaying countless giants, after giving their all, God's people now finally control the promised land. They finally control the land of Canaan, and with fighting at an end, it's now time to divide up their inheritance. It's now time to divide up the land amongst the various tribes of Israel. Three tribes have already received their inheritance over there on the east side of Jordan, but now the land to the west of the Jordan River is going to be divided amongst the remaining nine tribes. Now, in all of my years of ministry, it breaks my heart when I hear of the countless families that have resulted to bickering and fighting while dividing over the scraps of a deceased loved one. We've all heard the horror stories of parents and children 
of brothers and sisters, even of grandchildren who never speak to each other ever again after the reading of a will. Remarkably, in these cases, in most of these cases, it involves just a little bit of money or a little bit of land. And they never speak to one another again. To avoid squabbles of this kind amongst the people of God, we find that in Joshua chapter 14, that the decision of who got what, the decision of who inherited what, who got what, was left entirely in the hands of God. There would be no objection because God chose who got what. And once the land was divided, it was then the responsibility of the individual tribes to go into that land and complete the task of conquering the land that they inherited. So today, in the life of a man named Caleb, and I told Caleb at our, our marriage conference, our marriage uh, retreat last night, our, our meeting, our cookout, uh, that I was thinking about him all week long as I prepared to preach about a man named Caleb who showed us three human qualities that God honors. Now, this is not just for the men, and this is not just for poor little Caleb. Amen? This is for all of us, so listen carefully. The first trait, the first quality of human beings that God honors is the fact that God honors obedience. If you would, turn with me to Joshua chapter 14, and we're going to begin by reading the first nine verses there so we can get a little bit of context of what's going on. In verse 14 of chapter 14, the Bible says this, These are the various areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and the other half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of the Jordan to the Levites, who, but they had received no inheritance among them. For the, children of Israel, for the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and property. As the Lord had commanded, Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah and to Josh came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said to him, Joshua, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I... Holy followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Why? Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Before the land had been divided, 
Caleb comes up to Joshua and begins to remind him of the promise that God made to him about his inheritance. There in verse 6, we, we found that the children of Judah and Caleb came up and, and he said, Now Joshua, you know the word that the Lord God said to Moses concerning you and me in Barnea. And he tells the story of how he and Joshua were two of twelve spies who were sent out by Moses to do some recon, if you will, in the land of Canaan. And then he says in verse 7, Then I was 40 years old when Moses sent us out to spy out the land, and I brought back a word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, all my other brothers went up with me and made the heart of the people, the God's people, made their heart melt. But I, Holy followed the Lord my God. Consider this. Not one of the spies, not one of all 12 spies disagreed about how nice the promised land was. Not one of them disagreed on how attractive the promised land was. It was everything God promised and more. It truly was the land that flowed with milk and honey. Nor did they differ on their description of the people that lived there and the cities they lived in. They said the cities were large and well fortified. And they said the people of the land were numerous. And then there was those giants to deal with. The point is this. Ten of the spies saw only a danger in the promised land while two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, saw the opportunity God was giving them. Which one do you see when God moves you into a new land? Do you see the fear or do you see the opportunity? Do you see the promise or do you see the danger? The majority of the spies tended to measure these giants by themselves. But Caleb and Joshua measured the same giants by God. So I want to ask you, how do you measure your giants? According to yourself and your power or according to God and his power? Even in the midst of growing negativity, Caleb dared to disagree with the majority report with great confidence in the promises of God. Caleb said in Numbers verse chapter 33, Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he shouted to the people saying, let us go up at once and take possession of this land, for we are well able to do it. But I noticed that at that moment, the leader of Israel, God's people's leader, was silent as Caleb stood up and took a stand for God. Now, Joshua agreed with Caleb, but he remained in the background as Caleb shouted out these things. It was only later that Joshua would challenge the people of God to act on what God had told them. And then I got to thinking, can you even name one of the other 12 spies? We know Caleb and Joshua. But can you name even one of the other ones? You can't because it ain't in here. Amen? And there's a reason for that. 
The point is this. We seldom remember people who just blend in with the majority. Most heroes are people who are willing to take a stand for something. People who are willing to take a, a stand against a twisted majority. People who are willing to, to choose to forge ahead in the name of God. Caleb was one of those heroes. Caleb was one of those heroes and his faith was clearly in the power of God over all of his life's circumstances. To Caleb, God was greater than the giants. Is God greater than than your giants. Now, Caleb wasn't naive about the giants. Caleb wasn't naive about the cities where they lived. He didn't minimize the problems. He just magnified God. His God was bigger. Amen? His God was bigger than anything. The problems were real. He had to deal with the problems. But God was bigger than his giants. How about you? Do you really believe that God is bigger than your trouble? Do you believe that God is bigger than your giant? Do you believe that God is bigger than any obstacle you face to receiving his promises? If he is, I want you to know this morning that God honors that kind of obedience. But we also see here that God also honors faithfulness. Look there in verse 10, in the very beginning, uh, the Bible says, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, Caleb says. As God said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel was wandering in the wilderness. You see, some people find it really difficult to Remain faithful when they're not leading the pack. Some people have a real challenge in being faithful unless somebody's holding their foot to the fire. Amen? Unless somebody's holding them accountable, unless they're being held accountable by somebody else. Somehow, and I'm guilty, we function better when others know how well we're doing or not doing. If I continue to do a bad job, I know y'all going to let me hear about it. Amen? Amen? Amen. <laughs> Good. Because I know I don't want you to tell me the stories. But listen here. The true test. The true test of a commitment to Christ is how well we function, get this, behind the scenes. There were things that I was doing this morning before you got here. Behind the scenes. There are things that many of you do in ministry, wholly obeying the Lord God, that are behind the scenes. That's the true test. When nobody's giving you the hand. That's the true test of your commitment to Jesus is when you do it behind the scenes. It, it may even mean that as you're working hard behind the scenes, somebody else is getting all the attention. 
You're actually pushing them into the spotlight because of the work you do behind the scenes. I feel like I'm one of those because so many of you work so diligently behind the scenes and often it's me that gets the spotlight. But I just want you to know that I'm with you. In the spotlight or behind the scenes, I'm with you. And I thank God that there are so many who are committed to Jesus that they would work behind the scenes. The same case with Caleb. Caleb worked behind the scenes for 40 years. And who was getting all the attention? The leader, Joshua. For 45 years, the promise of God's reward sustained Caleb through years of discouraging and exhausting wandering in the wilderness. But what did Caleb do? He remained faithful. And he kept his eyes on the prize. Amen. I want to encourage you to do that this morning. No matter what your ministry may be, as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent, as a servant in the church, whatever you do, wherever you do it, I want to encourage you to keep your eye on the prize. Something else that I believe God honors is God honors those who don't quit. Look at there at the end of verse 10. And now, Caleb says, here I am this day, 85 years old. If you're 85 years and older, raise your hand. One, go ahead, Brother Harold. You, you're getting there, ain't you? Miss Martha? <laughs> he, he's knocking on the door, Amen. So we got a couple of 85-year-olds. Miss Gladys, I know, is 85 years old. So we got a couple getting, getting close and some that are already there. Amen. Uh, 85 years old, Caleb says, yet I am as strong this day as I was on the day Moses sent me. How about that? My strength for war, both for the coming out and the coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim, remember the giants? How the giants were there and that the cities were great and fortified. May it be that the Lord will be with me and that I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became an inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, to this day. Why? Because he wholly followed the Lord his God. And the name of Hebron formerly was known as Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the giants. And then the land had rest from war. Caleb's attitude toward his inheritance was different than the rest of the tribes. He was excited. He looked forward to his inheritance. The others could have cared less about the promise of God. For seven years, they had battled and fought, going place to exhausting place. And I wonder, did that just kind of become the norm for them? Did, did they just go day to day through the same old grind and they forgot about God's promises to them? I wonder how many times you and I get so used to facing giants 
one struggle after another struggle, one exhausting day after another exhausting day, that we begin to think, and I guess this is how it's always going to be. How many times do we, the children of God, forget the promises of God? Don't forget what God has promised you. Because, friend, one day in the presence of God is going to wipe away an entire lifetime of struggle. Amen? Don't quit. Don't quit on the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us that there were many obstacles that Caleb had to face before he received his inheritance. I want to go over a couple of those obstacles that he had to overcome before he took that mountain for God, before he received his promise. The first of which was the obstacle of friends. Now, we don't consider friends to be an obstacle, but look in Caleb's situation. When he returned from spying out the land, he returned to his own countrymen, and he had to stand alone, outvoted by his comrades. Ridiculed by his countrymen. You wouldn't think it, but friends can stand in the way of your spiritual progress. Sometimes the people who are close to you can hinder your spiritual progress. You need to be alert to that. Some friends give us bad advice. Some friends discourage us by the words they use. Some friends encourage us to take the wrong path. But a true friend, a true friend will always encourage you to do what's right. A true friend will always encourage you to follow the Lord no matter what. So Caleb found out that sometimes some of these not-so-true friends are the very ones that'll turn against you. So don't let these so-called friends deprive you from the promises of God. There's another obstacle I believe that Caleb faced, and that was the, the obstacle of racial prejudice. See, what you may not have known is that Caleb was not a Jew. He wasn't Jewish. He, he wasn't a part of the, the nation of Israel. He was a Kenzanite. That means he was a Gentile. He was a non-Jew. And I wonder how many of the Jewish people looked down on him because of his race. But Caleb didn't let anything keep him from wholly following the Lord. Friend, I don't care if your skin is purple. I don't care if you come from Jupiter, and I don't care if your family is of aliens, and some of them are. Amen. Don't you let anything or anyone keep you from receiving what God has in store for you and your family. Don't let anything deprive you of God's best for your life. Here's another obstacle for you, and this is the obstacle of age. At age 85, Caleb is still not ready to quit. Imagine that. He still ain't ready to quit. 
at age 85, he still hasn't lost his enthusiasm for following the Lord with all his heart. Friends, I want to tell you something. Are you listening? Say amen. Age is no barrier to doing the will of God. If you got breath, you got the power to do the will of God in your life. God keeps his people alive just long enough to fulfill what he wants to do through their life. If you're still breathing, God wants to use you. Amen? Think about it. When we, when we think about planning for retirement, when we think about uh, setting money aside so that we can chill out and enjoy a stress-free life when we get old, man, I don't think that's the way it should be. Instead, I think we ought to be thinking about how we're going to use those last years as the most productive years of our life for God. And I know many in our church are like that. Dr. Paul Brand had his mother who lived in India. She was a missionary there and she was 75 years old. And at age 75, Paul says that his mama was walking miles upon miles every day out visiting villages and teaching people about Jesus. One day at age 75, she was traveling alone and she fell and she broke her hip. For two days, Miss Brand laid there in excruciating pain. Finally, some workers found her and they loaded her into jeep, to a jeep and they drove 150 miles through deeply rutted roads, if you can imagine what that felt like, until they got to the doctor. The ride had damaged her bones so badly that she never completely healed from that injury. And Dr. Paul Brand says, I, I revisited my mother one day in her mud-covered hut and it was several weeks after all this had happened. And I was watching Mama as she got around on two bamboo crutches. And she was dragging her feet behind her because she didn't have any feeling in her feet. And I looked at Mama and I said, man, she's 75 and she's got a broken hip. Her, she can't walk. She can't even trust her own two feet. And he said, I think I'm going to make a real intelligent decision for mom. And so he said, Mama, I think it's time to retire. And Mama looked at me and he said, what are you talking about? What value is there in that? I mean, do we preserve this body a few more years, but then not use it for God? What value is that? So mama kept on working. And she kept on riding her donkey from village to village. And she did so until she was 93 years old. She continued to tell people about Jesus until she was 95 years old. And then she died. Friends, I don't care if you're 9 or 109. Amen? I don't ever want you to stop allowing God to use what he gave you for his glory.
I understand it might be a little slower, amen. I understand it might be a little bit more difficult for you to get around. I understand it might even hurt when you do it. But don't let anything keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Don't let your age stop you from letting God do what he wants you to do. He's still got very much for you to do. How do you know, Bill? Because you wouldn't be breathing if it weren't so. If he didn't have more for you to do, you'd be a goner. You'd be in his face right now, amen. Final obstacle today is the obstacle of the enemy. We know we got him. And it seems like enemies against the Christian are becoming more and more. You see, just because God's made you a promise don't mean that he wants you to sit back and watch it happen. He's made you a promise, but he wants you to put forth just a little bit of effort to get it. He wants you to work. He wants you to serve him and watch it happen. Caleb asked for the hill country there around Hebron. But that land was still inhabited by giants. Just because he got the, the inheritance didn't mean he wasn't going to have to work for it. But was he scared at 85 years old? Absolutely not. In all humility and all faith, Caleb says, it may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out from the promise of God. So in verse 13... Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb. It's like Joshua was saying, man, Caleb, this is yours. Man, you deserve it. 85 years of faithful service, you deserve it. Because of you, I was able to muster up enough courage to take a stand before God's people. Because of you, Caleb, I spoke out against the rebellion and unbelief of the people. You helped me become the man that I am. And for that, I'm grateful. I drew strength from you, Caleb. Thank you for being there when I needed you. You supported me. You helped me. Man, you encouraged me. You've never shown jealousy. You never resented the fact that I was the leader and you weren't. Even though you were a stronger man than me, spiritually and physically. I'm sorry I didn't remember God's promise to you, Caleb. But I'm glad you reminded me. The mountain, it's yours. It's yours. Take that mountain that God promised you. And verse 14 says that Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb. Why? Because he wholly followed the Lord his God. That's the secret of his success. Over all those years of service, Caleb wholly followed the Lord his God. That word holy means wholeheartedly. That means with all his heart, he followed God. Caleb's entire life was defined by following his Lord with all his heart. Can you say that? Are you a Caleb? 
Does God have your heart without reservation no matter what kind of giants are out there? The obstacles are many. The giants are many. The trials and the tribulations and the challenges are many. But God says, if you'll wholly, wholeheartedly follow me, I'll lead you to your promise. I'll lead you to your inheritance. I got to thinking about following Jesus with all our heart. And there was just one passage of scripture that just jumped right into my feeble brain. Amen. And it was that time when somebody asked Jesus, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? If I couldn't follow any of them, but I could choose two, what's the greatest ones I should follow? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, wholeheartedly, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest commandments. So what's Jesus saying to you this morning? I'm not satisfied just having the small compartment of your life. I'm not satisfied just having your Sunday mornings. I want all of you. From your rising up to your going down. From your waking up to your going to sleep. And even when you're sleeping, I want your dreams. I want everything about you. Have you reached that point in your life? Friend, today is a day of salvation. The Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Where you can give your life to Christ and you will then receive the promise of God. See, the promise of God is not just heaven. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful. I can't wait. But it also begins today. The privilege of serving your Lord, of wholly, wholeheartedly, with all your heart, following Jesus. Man, there's great, great blessing in that. And that's all part of the inheritance of a person who will give their life to Christ. I invite you to do that today, if you haven't. Maybe you say, Bill, I, I remember doing that. I remember giving my life to Christ, but man, I ain't been wholly following him. I ain't been following Jesus with all my heart. I want to do that today. Today is the same day of decision for you as it is for the one who has never met the Lord. Can I pray for you? Let's pray.